Bibles, would you please turn to your, in your Bibles to the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. Luke 19 um, it records, uh, th- there's a lot there. Actually, in fact, one of the occurrences of the parable of the talents that we looked at several weeks ago is here in Luke 19. But uh, Luke 19 records Jesus entering Jerusalem near the end of his earthly ministry. In fact, in fact, we actually know what day of the week it was that this happened here in Luke chapter 19. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday, and it was exactly five days before Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross on a Friday. That's why we call it Good Friday. We're celebrating that later this week. But it was on that Sunday before that Jesus entered Jerusalem. He'd been there many times before. In fact, he was there as a, as a very young child and, and many times in between. But, but this was him entering into and beginning that, that incomparable week of Jesus' life and ministry. So the place, Jerusalem, was important and, and I want you to understand the time frame because that too is very important for what we're going to look at this morning. So the place was important and so was the time. Luke chapter 19 verse 29 reads this way. When Jesus drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples. Now I want you to stop there for a moment. Just pause in the reading. I want you to notice a couple of words that I think you'll see the significance of it later on, but I want you to notice two words that are easily overworked, and they are the two words, drew near. Jesus had come from Galilee in the north. That's where Jesus and most of the disciples originated. But Jesus was coming from Galilee in the north, and he was drawing near, or some Bible translations put it this way, he was approaching. Uh, The Greek word can be translated into either draw near or approach. Jesus was drawing near or approaching the small community of Bethany, which was on the other side of the hill from the city of Jerusalem. So you've got Bethany, you have the Mount of Olives or Mount Olivet, and then you have a small valley, and then you have the city of Jerusalem. And it says here that Jesus drew near. Just point that out. Now look at verse 30. Jesus said this, Go into the village, Bethany, in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said what Jesus had told them, the Lord has need of it. They brought the colt to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. So again, just understand the the, the, the placing here, they're in or near Bethany, but the journey is continuing. Look at verse 37. And as he was drawing near, there's that, that two-word phrase again, 
As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And again, I want you to see here in this, in this text that, again, Jesus, it says, was drawing near. And now he's, he's, he's not walking, he's riding this colt, but he is getting closer to Jerusalem. He's approaching even more so Jerusalem. Lots of people, there's lots of noise from another gospel. We know that they're waving and throwing down some palm branches. That's why we often call it Palm Sunday. Today is technically Palm Sunday. So there's lots of people, lots of noise, but Jesus continues to draw nearer. Please notice that. Look at verse 39. And some of the Pharisees, that's a religious group, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. So, so again, there's that phrase. Jesus, actually starting in Galilee, continuing to make his way. I mean, that's like 70 miles away. He keeps focusing on Jerusalem, and with each step, or with each step, in this case, of the donkey, he gets closer and closer to this city. He had drawn so near that he can now see the city. He's coming down the hillside of the Mount of Olives, and he can see the city laid out before him, and, and it says that he was moved to tears because he knows what's going to happen to the city, and he knows what's going to happen to the people of that city. It's one of the occasions, there are several, but it's one of the occasions in which Jesus, it said, wept as he drew near this city and its inhabitants and all that it meant that was going to happen in this city. Three times. I notice these things. I notice, I notice recurring things, and perhaps you have as well. Three times in just really a handful of verses, I think 13 verses, just three times in a few verses, it records how Jesus drew near or approached. He kept moving closer to his objective. With each step of his or the donkey's, with each motion, he keeps drawing nearer to that objective, three times in just a few verses. Um, now most of us, uh, maybe all of us uh, here this morning, have a general aversion to pain and conflict, all right? That, that's most of us. Most of us here today, when faced with pain or with conflict, we would, generally speaking, go the other way. There are some exceptions. There are some people who, who, uh, who perhaps like pain or embrace conflict. Those persons, and, and I don't say this uh, in, in any way facetiously, those persons have twisted minds. Somebody who, who just loves conflict and pain, there's, there's something, something wrong there. But we tend, generally speaking, and I would say this would be for most of us, we tend to go in the opposite direction from pain and from conflict. But Jesus was different here. Jesus was different. 
Here, the Bible records in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus did not move away from pain and conflict, but toward it. Not, not because Jesus was twisted. His mind was, if ever there was a straight, underst- a very clear mind, his was it. Jesus did not draw near to Jerusalem and all that it held because he loved pain and conflict, but because he knew there was a purpose in it. He moved toward it because he knew what would happen in the coming days in this place as he approached it, as he drew near. Jesus knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. In fact, a short time before, in the previous chapter, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, we're going up to Jerusalem. Now, going up, he was actually going south, but going up because Jerusalem's on a higher elevation. He said, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. He went on, he said, for he, referring to himself, he said, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon, and after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. Jesus knew in detail the things that were going to happen to him. And so here, a chapter, that was back in chapter 18, so here in chapter 19, with each step, with every step, Jesus drew nearer to all of that. If anyone else here, if anyone else here this morning or anyone else who's ever lived knew that they would be arrested and mocked and mistreated and spit upon and beaten and killed in the in the city just ahead of them i'll tell you what they wouldn't walk toward it they would run from it they'd put as much space as possible between them and that place we would not draw nearer i don't know about you but i have an aversion to pain and to conflict i don't like it But Jesus was different. Jesus did do that because he knew that was his purpose. With every step, Jesus drew nearer to that objective. He knew that was his purpose, and he knew that was God's plan. What was going to happen in Jerusalem that week, in the days and in the hours ahead? Jesus knew the suffering Jesus knew the conflict. Jesus knew the accusations. Jesus knew the mocking. Jesus knew the humiliation that lay before him. But Jesus knew that was God's plan. Now you have to understand, this is not the first time that Jesus has drawn near. Think of this. You understand that that Jesus is the Son of God. He has always been. He's divine. His nature had no beginning. He's always been, but he knew from early on, at least early on in in human history, he knew that he was going to become the sacrifice. He knew that this was, was, it was what he would do that would break the chain of sin in mankind. Decades before, Jesus had left heaven. He drew near to mankind. A few months ago, Christmas, right? (laughs) More than a few months ago. It seems like a long time ago, although there's been a lot of snow between then and now. When he was born in that Bethlehem stable, when he was born in that Bethlehem stable, he had drawn near, right? 
He's, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us or God is near. He knew, he knew standing before or sitting on that donkey before Jerusalem as he sees it laid out there ahead of him, that ancient city. He knew that his sacrifice on the cross in the days and in the town just ahead of him, he knew that was the only way to bring salvation to mankind. Think of it from Jesus' perspective. Every time that he saw a broken body, and he had lived a long time, he'd ministered a long time, every time he, see, he saw a person with a broken body, or a broken mind, or a broken spirit, Jesus knew from early on the cross would fix that. Jesus knew that. Every time Jesus encountered someone who had been abused, or neglected, or wounded in some way, every time that he encountered someone who had been hurt by someone else, or when he encountered the people who abused, or the people who wounded, the people who did the damage. Every time Jesus encountered someone like that, he knew that what he accomplished on the cross would heal both the victim and those who hurt them. On many occasions, I've pointed this out before, on many occasions it says Jesus knowing what was in their heart, or Jesus knowing what was in their mind. Jesus, um, unique to him because he, he was both God and man, he had the ability to know what was going on inside of people. Can you imagine walking through a crowd of people and feeling the pain of the people around him? For years, he'd done this. For years, for the, the three years preceding this, Jesus had his... his what we refer to as his public ministry. But I believe long before that, he, he, he knew what was in people's hearts. And, 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 and I, someday I want to ask him, because it doesn't go into detail in Scripture, but someday I want to ask him, how was it when you would be with all these people and you felt all this pain? Now the Bible says that he healed and he delivered and he comforted, and he encouraged, and he broke strongholds in, in more people, we know, than, than the Bible even records. But do you know that, that five lifetimes, ten lifetimes, even a hundred lifetimes, regular lifetimes by our count, could not be enough to alleviate all of the suffering of mankind one person at a time? But Jesus knew that if he went to the cross, Jesus knew that if he went to Jerusalem and accomplished what God had called him to do, then now the power of the enemy would be broken and salvation, reconciliation between holy God and sinful mankind could happen and there could truly be salvation for the, for, for the masses, for, for every person around the world who, who would call upon the name of Jesus. Think of that. That's why he kept moving. It's why, knowing what was ahead of him, he kept walking toward it or riding toward it. Because he knew that what would happen in the hours and in the days ahead would bring salvation to mankind. And so Jesus drew nearer. Jesus drew nearer. Jesus drew nearer. Now, 
The Jewish people of that day, the Jewish people of that day found it hard to understand and accept. We know this because we have the, we have the examples in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. We know that the Jewish people of that day had a hard time understanding and accepting how the Messiah or the conquering hero, the one who would, who would come and, and lead and deliver the people of Israel, they had a hard time understanding how, how, how he could move so close, how he could be so familiar, how he, this conquering hero, would be someone who would draw near. They had a hard time. They had a hard time understanding how God could be close to them, how God could be intimate in in relationship with them. They had a hard time understanding that. They had, in one sense, a, a very good understanding of God, of his power and perhaps of his holiness. Uh, they, they greatly revered God, but the understanding that God could come near us was hard for many Jewish people to understand. In fact, it still is. And how about later on? The Gentiles or the non-Jewish people. The non-Jewish people who, who uh, would hear about Jesus in those early centuries in Christianity, much of it recorded in the book of Acts. They too had a hard time understanding how God could be close, how a divine being could be close to them, that Jesus had suffered for them and died for them. It was almost too much for the Gentile, the non-Jew, to comprehend. You have to understand their gods, small g, their false gods, that the Gentiles had worshipped for generations, those, those false gods were perceived as distant and, and at best uh, indifferent towards mankind. If you've ever read uh, very ancient books called uh, the Iliad or the Odyssey, um, you, you'll know that those were, those were works of fiction that were portrayed as fact because it's all, it's all paganism, but, but, but those pagan gods that are recorded there those false and pagan gods treated people like playthings or, or someone on whom they would expend their wrath. That's, that's for your average Gentile, when they thought of a divine being, they thought it was someone who was going to be cruel and somebody who was going to hurt them. It's no wonder when they heard the gospel, when they heard about this person of Jesus Christ, how God became flesh and began to dwell among us and minister to us and, and, and speak into lives and heal people and deliver people and set people free from all kinds of things. It was, it was almost more wonderful than they could comprehend that God suffered on my behalf and that God cared for us. Can you imagine what that must have been like for those people to understand that God draws near to us? Wow. Here's the thing. Now, this is, this is a long time ago, right? 2,000 years ago. Here's the thing. There are a lot of people today, there are a lot of people today are still there, not yet knowing that God drew near, not yet knowing that God, out of love, came for them, that God, that God drew near a place and a time so that they 
could in turn draw near to God. Let me say that again. There are still people today who have a hard time understanding that God drew near us so that we in turn could draw near to him. A lot of people. Recently, I uh, sat down with a woman who uh, came to Christ in her late 40s. The statistical breakdown shows us that most people who come to Christ come to Christ as a young person or as a child. It's one of the reasons why so much of our ministry here is directed towards next generations. But thank God, and in many of your cases, you, you came to Christ later on. This woman that I met with came to Christ in her late 40s. Now let me just tell you something about her. Um, she had observed, up to that time, she had observed certain uh, Christian holidays like, like Christmas and Easter. Right? She grew up in a Christian tradition. And, and, and so there was, there was Holy Week and there was, there was Advent and all of the things that, that went with it. Uh, she, had, she had, up to that time, probably more times than she can count, she had taken communion. She'd held the cup or the bread, and, 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 and it, it meant something that she knew what it represented, Jesus' body and blood, but, but it really didn't become real to her. She knew some of the stories about Jesus, probably prayed over a meal on occasion, but she didn't know that Jesus, that it was in his nature to draw near. In fact, she told me, she said, when, when I was growing up, I heard about God, but he was someone to be absolutely feared. She said that when, when the, the thunder would be outside, lightning and thunder outside, the person who raised her said, that, that, is, that is God, don't go out there because God will strike you down. She believed in God, but she didn't know that God had drawn near to her because he loved her. God was someone to be feared. She'd heard how Jesus died on the cross, but she didn't know that he had died on that cross for her. That it was his love for her and for the lost and broken world around her that caused Jesus to endure it all. Now she does. Somebody shared the gospel with her in her late 40s and, and, and her life was transformed. She came to Christ, glory to God. The same is true of many of you. I could go down and talk with many of you. I know many of your stories. I know many of your stories and, and how as, a, as an older person or maybe as a younger person, you realize that, that God is not just this powerful being somewhere in the universe, but God actually came down and as, as Jesus died on the cross, the Son of God died on the cross and rose from the dead, not just because it was a part of a story, but he did so out of love. Many of you learned that and you your life has been transformed because you know that he did it out of love and because he cares for you. It's powerful. Now, here's the thing. There are people you know 
There are people you know. In fact, people you have, people you have invited, right, or you're going to invite to be with you next week. People that you know, people who right now, people who right now, if they believe anything about God, believe him to be distant or impersonal, who, who believe a, a personal, there are so many people that you know, so many people that we know who, who think of a, a personal relationship with God is impossible or impractical or at best unlikely. But they're going to know. You're going to help tell them, Right? You're going to help get the word out to them. It's the only way that they're going to know if you tell them of this Savior. Draw near. Draw near. Jesus drew near. Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. After, written after Jesus rose from the de- died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 tells us that because of who Jesus is and what he's, what he's gone through, it says, let us then with confidence draw near. Approach. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, that's, 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 that's the gospel. That's why Jesus drew near Jerusalem and accomplished what he did so that people could then draw near to him. Now, I, I look at that verse, that verse that you hold in your hands or see on the screen. I, I look at that verse and I say, that's not a God Oh, I, I revere God and I have a holy fear of God, but, but that is not a God to be terrorized by. It is, that is a God that we can embrace because, again, what does it say there? We can come with confidence, not with cockiness, not with arrogance, not with presumption, but we can come with confidence. We can draw near to the throne of God. What are you going to find there? You're going to find mercy, and you're going to find grace to help you in your time of need. I am so grateful that many years ago, I learned about Jesus and I accepted Jesus so that now in my time of need, I don't need to simply say, oh, I hope it turns out well. I can run to the one who can make it turn out well, and I can say, Lord Jesus, I need your grace and, my, and your mercy in my time of need. And we can come with confidence and gratitude. Why? Because he's a God who desires us to draw near to him because he first drew near to us. There's one more verse I want to share with you. It's one that's very short. It's easy to, to memorize. It, it, and it means hopefully now something more than it did before. But in the book of James chapter 4 verse 8 it says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Come close, I'm going to paraphrase, come closer to God, 
and he will come closer to you. By the way, the only reason that you can come close to God is because he first came close to you. Because he drew you by his Holy Spirit. Because he kept drawing closer to Jerusalem and all that it meant and all that would be accomplished there. Because Jesus drew near, we can draw near. And he promised here in James 4 that then he will draw nearer to us. Jesus made it possible for us to draw near. That's a promise. It's a promise from Him to you. This morning there are some of you perhaps here today who are hearing some of these things for the first time. Or, Or maybe like my friend who came to Christ in her late 40s, maybe like you, like her, you know of God, but the understanding of a closeness with God is so foreign, so difficult to grasp. Well, this morning I have a promise, actually his promise to you. Draw nearer to him and he will draw nearer to you. See, our goal, my goal this morning, is that not only that we will walk in closeness with him, in relationship with him, because really that's what our walk with Christ is. It's a relationship, not, not, not simply empty religion. It's a relationship. And not only that we will do that, but that the people we know will do that. You may be, you may be one of the first in your family to understand and to come close to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there will be others. This morning, in just a few moments, we're going to receive communion together. Communion happened on Thursday after that Sunday. It was on that Thursday that Jesus met with his disciples and he shared in in very powerful symbolism what was going to happen and what he was accomplishing. But this morning, before we do that, I want to give you the opportunity. If there is anyone here this morning who has not yet begun that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, now perhaps before, that more than you did before, you realize that, that Jesus comes near and we can come near him and, and have an actual living relationship. So here's what I'd like you to do. Would you bow your heads with me, please, everyone here? And uh, I'm going to ask if, 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 if perhaps here this morning there's someone, anyone, here today who would just with with their hand raised up and and maybe lifting up your head and catching my eye that you will say pastor i want to pray and i want to i won't embarrass you but i I want to identify i want to make a personal identification with you i want to pray with you that you will begin this living relationship that you will in in surrendering your life to him you will draw near and i promise you he promises you that he will draw near to you is there anyone before we go any further um uh, is there anyone here this morning that would, that would say, Pastor, I want, I want to do that with you. I, I want to pray to ask Jesus to begin to change my life and to, to become my Lord and my Savior. Is there anyone here this morning that would just lift up your hand and, and lift up your eyes and, and catch my eye? Is there anyone here this morning? Is there anyone here? Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and for my sisters here this morning. 
And I ask now, Lord, that we would walk in the assurance of your salvation and that relationship that comes with it. And Lord, you will, you will stir us in even greater ways to take the, the good news that you've given us to those who do not yet know. There are people, Lord, that we know who don't know you. They, they, they know of you, perhaps. Uh, they know a few things about you. They know that things kind of get religious this time of year, but they, they don't know that they can actually know you. Lord, would you use us in the, in the coming days to help get the word to them? Um, and, and we pray even a week ahead of time, we pray for our next Sunday's service, Lord, that as your word is proclaimed in a variety of ways, I pray that you would prepare people's hearts for then and that there will be a great harvest, Lord, for next Sunday. We pray this. There may be people, Lord, who are more willing to come because someone invites them because there's something special happening. And so we pray that lives will be changed. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to remain seated, but I'm going to ask the persons who are helping me if you would go ahead and step forward at this time. And we're going to receive, we're going to distribute um, the elements of communion. And uh, uh, gentlemen, as soon as you get that, just go ahead and start distributing them. Uh, we've got people covering in the balconies. Go ahead and, uh, and, and take those and distribute them. Uh, uh, some instruction, in just a moment, our worship team is going to, uh, is going to minister. But as they're doing that, when you receive those elements, would you just hold them in your hand? This may be your first time here at AFA since we've received communion the last time. And so just some instruction, would you hold that in your hand? And then when everyone else has received it, we are going to take this together. While that is happening, so just take it, hold it. And uh, while that's happening also, this is one of the most powerful um, times uh, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a church service that we can have. It is a time in which the body of believers comes together around a common table and we, we minister to the Lord. He ministers to us. It also, the Bible says that we are to search our hearts and to be prepared to receive this. So you do not need to be a member, by the way, of Aberdeen First Assembly. In fact, this may be your first time here. If, you're, if you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a member of the family of God. And we encourage you and invite you to take that, hold it, and then we will receive it together. But for the rest of us, the Bible says we are to search our hearts and, 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 and to, to not eat or drink of the cup or of the bread unworthily. It means that if there's, if there's any kind of repentance that needs to happen right now, do that just quietly as we wait. And, and spend some, some time. Lord, just do a scan on my heart. And so let's, uh, let's, let's do that together. Let's worship team if you He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the
was a man named Paul who came to Christ, never saw Christ in person. Had he seen him in person, he would have recorded it. But like us, he came to Christ after Jesus had died on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. We have a lot in common with Paul in that way. And some years after he came to Christ, he was writing to the church in Corinth. And Paul relates something that he received like us secondhand. We were not there. Paul was not there at the Last Supper. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, I received from the Lord what I now pass on to you. He said, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just take that bread and let's pray and then we'll receive together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you so willingly drew near, not just to a city, but all that that city held in the days ahead. By drawing near, you made it possible for us to draw near to you. And then, Lord, in that night, you took that bread symbolizing your body and you said, take this is, this is, boy, I, I, I can't think, Lord, of something more close than that. Thank you that you came near for me, for my brothers and sisters here this morning. Thank you that you came for all of mankind so that all we need to do is call upon your name. remember you and we thank you in Jesus name let's receive this together please in the same way after supper Jesus took the cup and said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul added this to the church. Corinth, he said, whenever you eat this bread, whenever you drink this cup, you again proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're still there. Jesus has not yet returned. We're, we're still doing what they did along with the early church. We anticipate seeing him face to face. By the way, do you know that he's going to draw near again? He's going to come. He's going to come for his church. For those who've died in Christ, well, they're already with him, but even their body's going to be resurrected. He, he's going to draw near again. And someday we will be with him face to face because of what he accomplished on the cross. Just take that cup in your hand and let's thank him. Lord, we remember you. And we remember the blood that you shed so willingly, at great cost, through great pain, enduring the tremendous conflict out of love. And so we remember you and we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the healing, the deliverance, and the forgiveness of sins that comes because you shed your blood. We remember you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's receive the cup together.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just thank him right now. Stand with me, would you, and just thank him. Just lift up your hands and just thank him. Just praise him with your voice and with your heart, more importantly, with your heart. Just thank him. Lord, thank you for what came because you came. Thank you for what happens in our lives because you drew near. We love you. We thank you. We remember you. We rejoice in you. We have eternal life in you. All because you came for us. Thank you, Lord, for coming. Lord, we're lost without you. We still are. So many, Lord, don't yet know, but they're going to know. So use us for your glory. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, we fellowship together and we go out into this world that is lost without you. Use us for your glory. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. It's all because of you. It's all because of you. We love you, Jesus Messiah, and I ask your blessing upon us as we leave this place and go into this harvest field. Lord, pour out your spirit on us this week. Use us for your glory this week, and we pray for mighty things to happen in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, you believe it? Say amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.